We are one week into the 2023-24 college basketball season and overreactions are all over the place. So we're going to share some of our own right here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, only daily national college hoop show out there, part, of course, of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton. Today's episode of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Folks, empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat over 50 different infections. You can get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, folks, happy Friday. We are nearing the conclusion of the first week of the college basketball season. Some fantastic games on the slate for Friday, Arizona at Duke. you got Florida and Virginia, a handful of other fantastic games. We're going to discuss a few of those on the end of the show in our inaugural FanDuel Friday segment. We also got a pair of upsetting injuries to discuss at Dayton and Gonzaga. We'll get to those as well. But first, we're going to overreact. Most of the games that have happened up to this point have been games that we don't want to take too seriously. That's always the hard part about the early parts of college basketball seasons, especially when teams are not playing the kinds of opponents that they're typically going to play as we get into the regular season. But that doesn't mean we can't find some things to react to, to overreact to. And we're going to discuss three of those today to start off the show, beginning with Michigan State. Michigan State has been the talk of the first week of the college basketball season, and for good reason. Take number one, overreaction number one, Michigan State, they're not it. It's just, it's not them this year. They're not going to do it. They're not going to be that team this year. And look, they bounced back from that loss, that season opening loss to James Madison to beat Southern Indiana on Thursday evening. They beat them 74 to 51. Southern Indiana is terrible. Ken Palm has them 327th. So one of the 30 worst college basketball teams in the one of the 35 worst college basketball teams in the entire country and Michigan State beat them handily a 23 point victory you know nothing too bad about that but it still wasn't pretty it hasn't been pretty for the Spartans all in either of these first two games in fact right now Michigan State through their first two games of the college basketball season is two for 31 from three They went one of 20 in that first game, the loss to James Madison. They went one of 11 in this victory over Southern Southern Indiana, excuse me, 6.5% in their first two games. That is the worst percentage by any D1 team through their first two games in 15 years. Yes, it's a two-game sample size, 6.5%. Teams that win the NCAA tournament, teams that go to the Final Four in the NCAA tournament, historically, using Ken Palm data over the last 15, 20 years, have been good three-point shooting teams. Well over 33, 35, usually 37-ish percent. Michigan State is obviously not going to shoot 6.5% for the rest of the season, but are they going to be a 33-plus percent three-point shooting team? Because if not, their odds of breaking that Big Ten streak of getting back to the Final Four, getting into a national championship, potentially bringing another trophy back to East Lansing, pretty slim, pretty slim. Beyond the outside shooting issues, Michigan State got out-rebounded by James Madison, 51-48. to And while they did not get out-rebounded by Southern Indiana, they only out-rebounded them by two. 37 rebounds for Michigan State, 35 for Southern Indiana. 
if you cannot shoot from three and you cannot or are barely out rebounding bad division one teams, it doesn't mean that the future is completely bleak, but there's a lot of work to be done in East Lansing. Izzo mentioned after the first game, after the loss to James Madison, that maybe he would need to, to change up the starting lineup, get some of those freshmen some more playing time. That did not happen in the Southern Indiana game. Cohen Carr had 14 points against James Madison. He had just three against Southern Indiana. Jeremy, Jeremy Fears had five assists versus Southern, Southern Indiana, but he only had three, has only scored three total points this season. Xavier Booker has six points and three rebounds in his first two games. These guys are not contributing yet, and they're freshmen. Maybe they're not ready to contribute. But what is going on with the veterans? They're not getting nearly enough. A.J. Hogart is 4 of 18 so far on the season, 0 of 5 from 3. Look, the veteran guys are going to turn it around. The freshmen are going to improve. Both those things are probably going to happen. And Michigan State is going to be – you're seeing a lot of this. People say Michigan State's going to be fine. What does fine mean? A top five team in the Big Ten? I wouldn't be surprised. Probably. NCAA tournament bid? Sure, of course most likely under Tom Izzo. But this team came into the season with final four expectations, with many people projecting them to be a national champion. Of course, it's too early to completely write that off after two games, but it doesn't feel nearly as realistic as it did just one week ago. And I think you want to start overreacting to things. If you're a Spartans fan right now, you got to feel a lot less confident about your team's ability uh, to bring home a championship here in March. Second overreaction the Auburn Tigers, despite being 0-1, are a top three team in the SEC. Yeah, I said it. I'm going to stick with it. The SEC is loaded. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of teams vying for those top three spots. you got Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama. Kentucky's going to be in the conversation. Texas A&M with Wade Taylor going to be in that conversation as well. But the Auburn Tigers looked awesome in that 88-82 loss to Baylor a couple days ago. They are 18th at Ken Palm right now, the highest-ranked team that has any loss in the Ken Palm rankings. Now, 18th at Ken Palm still only gets you fifth in the SEC. That is how well-regarded that conference is from an analytics perspective. That is how well-regarded the conference is just in general uh, right now, one of the strongest conferences in all of college basketball. But this Auburn team looked good against Baylor, and I think they're going to get better. This is a team that they got Southeast Louisiana on the on the 10th today. As you're listening to this, they got Notre Dame on the 16th. And I think the biggest thing about Auburn that is exciting and the reason that there's some optimism around this program right now is the guard play has just is much improved. It's been an issue in the past, but Wendell Green is gone. Alan Flanagan is gone. Katie Johnson, who was part of the issue in terms of efficiency as a scorer, is in a much what appears to be a much smaller role. Played like 27 minutes a game two years ago, played about 21 minutes per game last year, played 16 minutes in, in Auburn's first game against Baylor, 16 minutes off the bench and played pretty well. I think a smaller role for him might be a, a way to unlock some of the skills that he does bring to the game without putting the ball in his hands so much that it causes problems the way that it has for Bruce Pearl's team in the past. And the new guard rotation is just good. I mean, it's really good. Aiden Holloway, five-star freshman. He looked incredible. In his 27 minutes against the Bears, 19.6 assists, wasn't the most efficient scoring night, 6 of 15 from the field. He was 4 of 8 from deep, struggled a little bit uh, at getting to the rim, but he's a true freshman, first college basketball game, hanging 20 
on a really good team out of the Big 12, that is an incredible sign for what Holloway and the Tigers are going to be able to do this year. They also got Denver Jones. Denver Jones, a transfer from Florida International University, averaged 20 points per game on 37 shooting at FIU, comes in 13 points, two assists in his first game uh, with the Tigers here, 24 minutes, four of 10 from the field. He was three of five from deep, though. That is the area of strength. That is what Denver Jones brings to the Auburn Tigers. If he's going to shoot 38, 40% from three, like he's we know he's capable of doing, that combined with Aiden Holloway, as those guys get comfortable in Bruce Pearl's system, this is a really, really good team. And we haven't even talked about Janai Broom yet. Broom, SEC Player of the Year candidate, first game of the season, 16 points, 11 boards, two assists, and a block. Again, many, many great players in the SEC had phenomenal first games, but they didn't do it against teams like Baylor. For Broom to go out and put up a double-double, an easy double-double, in just 26 minutes against a really good Big 12 team in Baylor, Auburn is a good team, and they're going to get better as the year goes on. And I'm saying right now, after week one, even with just one loss on the record, Auburn's going to be a top three team in the SEC. Closing it out here with our final overreaction from the first week. James Madison, they're going to be the last undefeated Division I team in the country. Sticking with it right now because they upset Michigan State in the first game of the season. We already talked about that. We won't get into that too much more. Uh, they also won a double overtime game on Thursday evening against Kent State, the Golden Flashes. Both these games were on the road, and these were the two toughest games on James Madison's schedule, period. Between conference and non-conference, these two games were the hardest games that James Madison and the Dukes were going to have to play, and they won them both. They won them both because of phenomenal play from Terrence Edwards. He had 24 points on 12 of 13 shooting from the free throw line in that win over Michigan State. He also had 25 points, 10 boards, six assists, and a pair of steals in that win over Kent State. Speaking of that win over Kent State, James Madison made 17 threes in that game, 17 of 35. I don't remember how often. It's not often you see a team shoot 48% from three on 30-plus attempts. But that's what we saw from the Dukes. Tremendous shooting performance. Obviously not going to shoot 50% from three going forward. But Kent State, Michigan State were both NCAA tournament teams last year. The two toughest teams on the schedule. Both these games were on the road. And right now, Ken Palm has James Madison favored in every game they play until January 6th when they play a conference road game against Southern Miss, who is currently 35 spots lower than them in Ken Palm. So that streak may not even end then. Give me James Madison as the last standing undefeated team. And heck, maybe they'll start getting some love in the uh, in the AP poll by the time December rolls around if they still haven't lost a game. Well, folks, Dayton's Malachi Smith and Gonzaga Steel Venters both suffered extremely unfortunate season-ending injuries. We're going to discuss what that means for those two teams. Coming up after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what helps keep your ride or die alive. And right now, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your car every time or you get your money back because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at all the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that trophy. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, and eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. All right, folks, 
moving on from our overreactions from week one to talk about a pair of unfortunate injury updates that we have to give here on the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. Steel Venters is out for the year with an undisclosed knee injury before Gonzaga even plays a game. Gonzaga's first game of the season is tonight, 6 p.m. against the Yale Bulldogs. They did not play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. So their their season has yet to even start, and already one of the big pieces they brought in throughout the offseason, Steel Venters, is going to be unavailable for them. Venters is a transfer from Eastern Washington. He grew up in Ellensburg, Washington, played for the last couple years in Cheney, Washington, has always dreamed of playing at Gonzaga. When he scored in the Lewis Clark scrimmage game that they played on Friday, last Friday, I should say, he was so ecstatic. There was this big deal about finally getting to score points in a Gonzaga uniform. It's a devastating injury for Venters, who left that scrimmage totally healthy. Something must have happened in practice. As of this recording, we don't know the exact the exact details of the injury or what's going on, but he's not going to play for Gonzaga this year. He's eligible to return for a couple more seasons after this, but... This is a Gonzaga team that already was really low on depth. They only have nine scholarship players available now with Venters' injury, and they're going to rely on true freshman four-star Dusty Stromer to step into that starting spot. Stromer's a six-foot-six wing. He played at Notre Dame High School in California, won a state championship, went, I think, 4-0 or maybe 5-0 against Bronny James in his career. Those two guys played each other a whole bunch of times. Dusty's a very talented player but wasn't expecting to step into a starting role and now is going to have a lot of pressure on him to help facilitate an offense that's going to be run, of course, through Ryan Nemhard, Graham E.K. are the two other transfer additions. The team still has Anton Watson returning, Nolan Hickman hoping to see a step up from him in his junior season. But there's a lot of pressure now residing on Dusty Stromer, true freshman, four-star. I think he's ranked 48th or so in his class uh, in 2023, and he's he's going to have a lot of work for him. The Zags are also going to rely on Luka Krajinovic, Croatian freshman who joined the team in early September. He's a six foot five guard, but Mark Few loves those three guard lineups. So I think seeing a lineup of Nemhard, Hickman, and Krinovich all on the floor at the same time is definitely something we'll see at times from Mark Few and the staff. Jun Sok Yo, South Korean 21 year old who was phenomenal in the FIBA tournament a couple of years ago. Uh, he's been on the bench for the last year. The expectation is that he wasn't going to play a big role this year as he still is, is kind of getting his feet wet and adjusting to Division I basketball. But Time might be now, six foot eight forward. He might be able to step in and, and give Gonzaga some valuable minutes as well. But uh, tough path for them. St. Mary's looks phenomenal in the WCC and Gonzaga's path to, to continuing their streak of, of winning the WCC tournament and winning the WCC regular season is, is in even more trouble than it was before without Venters in the picture. And unfortunately, Malachi Smith for Dayton also suffered a knee injury in the first half of Dayton's first game against SIU Edwardsville. He only played seven minutes in that game and it was reported afterwards that he will be out for the year. And this is a devastating blow for the Dayton Flyers. Malachi Smith has dealt with injuries his entire collegiate career. He missed the, he missed the, First in his sophomore season, excuse me, let's go back to his freshman year. We'll start there. Freshman year he played, he was healthy. He was all A-10 freshman, uh, on the all A-10 freshman award list. He was, uh, I think he was a four-time A-10 freshman of the week, averaged nine points, five assists. He got hurt at the end of the season in the A-10 tournament, missed the end of the A-10 tournament, missed their NIT games, came back as a sophomore, missed the first couple of years of his sophomore year with a right ankle injury, played four games, sprained his left ankle, missed the next 11 games, returned in February, played all but one game for the rest of the season, And then he comes into this year and it's like, okay, he played 19 games as a sophomore. 
nine points, five assists as a freshman, 19 kind of up and down games as a sophomore. But coming into his junior year with Deron Holmes returning in the front court, the expectation was Malachi Smith, Deron Holmes, and the Dayton Flyers are running through the A-10. They're getting back. They're not going to get back to where they were in 2020 when the NCAA tournament was unfortunately canceled because that Dayton team was going to be a one seed and they had a real chance a real chance of going to the final four of contending for a national championship. And that got taken away from them by the COVID or the COVID uh, season cancellation. And, and now for Dayton to finally have, you know, Holmes back again and have this team ready to roll and to see Malachi Smith, a young man who has struggled with injuries for three years, get hurt and not be able to play again is just a devastating blow for, for not only for Smith, of course, himself, but also just for this program who has seemed to run into a ton of bad luck in the last couple of years. In terms of what the Flyers are going to do, you got to expect that Merrimack transfer guard Javon ben Bennett is going to step into a starting role for the Flyers. He ended up playing 23 minutes in that game against Edwardsville, likely coming in replacement of Malachi Smith. Uh, he had five points and six assists in that game. Didn't shoot it super well, but six assists in 23 minutes is, is good enough to indicate that he might be stepping into that point guard role for this team in the absence of Smith. Uh, Bennett averaged 9.6 points, 3.4 assists, and three steals as a freshman at Merrimack last year. He was the NEC freshman of the year. Really nice addition for Dayton and certainly would have been a phenomenal addition for them off the bench. But it looks like he's going to be pushed into a bigger role for this team and, and certainly a player who is capable of stepping into that role. But again, tough to tough to lose Malachi Smith. I think you're also going to see Dayton need some more from Enoch Cheeks transfer from Robert Morris. Uh, and there's not a whole lot more you could get out of him in the first game of the season. He played 35 minutes against SIU Edgerville. He only had six points, but he did have four steals, three boards, shot three of seven from the field. But you're going to need to see some more scoring from Cheeks, some more facilitating from Cheeks. Guys are going to have to step up because Malachi Smith was a, really a do-it-all guard who could score, he could facilitate, and not having him in the picture is going to be tough. And, and it opens up the A-10 even more. The A-10 looks about as wide open as it's been in a while, especially now with Dayton having this injury issue. VCU hasn't looked great in the early going this season. Loyola Chicago, we'll see if they're able to make some pushes here, but this could be a year for St. Bonaventure, the Bonnies. This could be a year for Duquesne. George Mason with their new coaching staff, Tony Skin taking over for Kim English. Perhaps they can make a push here uh, with that new staff. It's going to be a fun league to watch. It's probably not a two-bid league, which is something that it used to be in the past and, and hasn't been the last couple of years. And now, again, with, with Dayton's injury, probably looks even less so. But I think it's going to be one of the most exciting one-bid leagues in all of college basketball. And while it's unfortunate that an injury to Smith is, is part of the reason for that, it does look like the A-10 is going to be a lot of fun to track throughout the season. And at the end of the day, it could be just about anybody's league uh, coming out of that conference. We're going to close out the show with our first Fan Duel Friday. We're going to take a look at some lines on the biggest games of Friday's slate, including the big battle in Duke versus Arizona. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you all about Jace Medical. Folks, you and I spend a lot of time together talking. We get fired up about wins and fired up about losses. We're talking about who's starting, who's sitting, who's in the top 25, who's not in the top 25. And I'm thankful that we have that connection. And today, I want our chat to be a little bit more personal. Whether you're on an extended travel or bracing for weather issues or limited by another supply chain shortage, you are covered. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered on a one-year supply. That includes ED generics like Cialis and Viagra. 
Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply of your daily medication. Remember to use the promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout for a discount as well. This is a great quote from a verified customer who had this to say about Jace. I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half in order to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are local than my, or lower than my local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. So if you or someone you love would like to get some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. And remember, use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. All right, closing out the show today with our annual or our inaugural Fan Duel Friday, where we're going to close out each of our Friday episodes this season discussing five different lines from FanDuel's website, from their sportsbook, discussing whether we're picking over, under, money line, whatever it may be, and why. And we got a really, really good slate of games on Friday. Plenty of great opportunities to choose from. So I'm going to start here with the Tennessee at Wisconsin. The over-under in terms of points scored between Tennessee and Wisconsin is 130.5, and I'm taking the under. This game starts Friday at 6 p.m., by the way, as well. And look, Wisconsin scored 105 points in their opener. They are a, a what looks like a very solid offensive team this year, but Tennessee is so good defensively. And I, I don't think Wisconsin is, is a 100-point scoring team very often. I think that that was a bit of an anomaly, and I think we're going to see them come back down to earth with a much lower scoring performance. Tennessee is a phenomenal defensive team. They, they protect the rim really well. They defend out in space really well as well. And I also think Wisconsin's good enough defensively to not let Tennessee just roll all over them offensively. I don't see Tennessee going out and scoring 80-plus in this game. I see a game that's going to look more like 62-58. to 58. A four-point win, I, I think Tennessee's probably going to win even on the road at Wisconsin, but I think Tennessee being on the road makes their offense a little worse. Wisconsin's offense will struggle against Tennessee. To me, something like 62-58, that's 120 total points. So I'm taking the under on 130.5. Uh, it's a minus 105 line for that as well. Uh, number two for FanDuel Friday here, Wake Forest at Georgia. I'm taking the money line on Wake Forest. Give me a dub for Steve Forbes and the Demon Deacons, even going on the road to play the Bulldogs of Georgia. This game is at Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, the line for the money line for Wake Forest is plus 116. And look, Georgia's at home, but they didn't look great against Oregon. They looked okay in that game. I didn't think Oregon looked particularly good either, but it's early season stuff that you tend to see from these teams. But Wake Forest, speaking of teams that didn't look very good, they were down by 21 points to Elon. However, they came back and won by 23, a remarkable second half turnaround for this team. Both these teams are trying to find themselves, but at the end of the day, I like the talent that Wake Forest has a little bit more. They're a better rebounding team. I think they're a better scoring team. They're better at taking care of the basketball. The spread is two and a half, but when the spread is that close, I'd rather just take the money line. So give me Wake Forest to go win a road game against Georgia on Friday evening. Number three, Texas A&M at Ohio State. I'm giving the money line here as well, and I'm going Texas A&M, minus 110 here. Another Friday game at 7 p.m., another opportunity to pick a true road win, this time for the Aggies over the Buckeyes of Ohio State. Texas A&M is 21st at Ken Palm right now. Ohio State is 47th, of course. The line is very close because it is a home game for Ohio State, because it is a road game for Texas A&M. And that's very understandable, but I just didn't – I wasn't impressed 
with what I saw from the Buckeyes in their season opener. They beat Oakland. It was a victory. It was a six-point victory. They shot 46% from the field. They shot 28% from the free from the, the three-point line. They also allowed Oakland to make 14 threes. Didn't defend the perimeter well. Didn't shoot it particularly well. A&M's a better team. Ohio State hasn't looked good in their first, I mean, again, it's one game, but they didn't look good in their first game of the season. Wade Taylor's the best player between both these two teams. All of that, give me A&M going on the road, securing a victory here. I think they're going to take it. Uh, this is perhaps the one I feel the most confident with uh, going into this Friday event. Number four, Arizona at Duke had to pick something from the biggest game of the entire first week of the college basketball season. The Wildcats are going to Cameron Indoor to play the Blue Devils, a true road game. The spread is five and a half for Duke, and I'm, I'm taking Duke right there. Minus 110 is the betting line there. This game is also at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. A lot of great games in that slate right there. Better have your, your dual monitors set up for that one. And look, I love Arizona. I got nothing against Arizona. I had them in my final four. In fact, I had a national championship projection of Duke versus Arizona. I think these are two of the best teams in the country. But Duke at home this early in the season as a roster that has more continuity, more familiarity than Arizona, they're going to win. And I think they're going to win by more than six. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a really close game throughout. I think it'll end up being like a 10, maybe even a 12-point victory for Duke because of free throws because of how that kind of goes at the end of these games, but I I it's hard for me to imagine Duke losing at home, even to a really good Arizona team. Caleb Love is going to do everything that he can. He loves going to Cameron Indoor and beating the Dukes, and, and I think he's going to do his absolute best here. But Arizona's team is just too ripe, too new. Jaden Bradley, Caleb Love, Kishad Johnson, all fantastic players. But does Tommy have all? Tommy Lloyd have all of them mixed together just right in order to pull off a victory like this? I don't think he does yet. And I think Duke with Filipowski and with Roach and with Mitchell and all those guys returning, and of course the newcomers, Jared McCain. I think this is a fantastic team and I, I, they're, they're not going to lose many games this year. And I don't think they're going to lose this one either. Finally, closing it out with our final FanDuel Friday projection here, Virginia at Florida. I'm going Moneyline Virginia. I'm taking too many teams to go win on the road. And I know that that's a, a challenging thing to do in college basketball, but similar to the A&M in Ohio State, Virginia's just better. They're just a better team than Florida. Right now, Ken Palm has Virginia 29th. They have Florida 41st, so it is close. And I really like Florida. I like Todd Golden. I liked him at San Francisco. I think he's going to right the ship for the Gators very soon. I think we're already seeing that with a tremendous transfer portal class coming in. But I just I think Virginia is, is more ready for this game. I think Tony Bennett's a phenomenal coach, and I think he's going to impose his will on this game and secure a victory in this one. Reese Speakman, Ryan Dunn are fantastic. Dunn's a nice breakout candidate in the ACC if you're looking for one of those. Uh, Reese Speakman, of course, coming back to, to Virginia was a huge storyline, and he's going to be one of the best guards the entire ACC as well. Jacob Gross was kind of an underrated addition from Oklahoma transfer. Uh, he spaces the floor extremely well, hit three threes in his first game for the Cavs, and I think that Virginia is just a balanced, well-rounded team. In Florida, I think they're still putting the pieces together. Riley Kugel's fantastic. He looked excellent in their season opener. The projections that he's going to be a breakout candidate in the SEC, that he's going to be a top 15, top 20 pick in the 2024 NBA draft, they all look like they're going to come true. He looks like he's that dude. But Florida loses EJ Jarvis right before the season starts. Yale transfer is not going to suit up for him. They got some other great transfers. Walter Clayton didn't look great in his first game. I think he's going to turn it around, a big, big-time transfer from Iona. But I don't think Florida's ready yet. And while they are at home, 
I don't think they're going to secure a victory against Virginia. So give me the money line on the Cavaliers to pull off a victory here. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked on College Basketball Podcast. Thank you for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Happy first week, college basketball fans. We got a bunch of great games tonight, Saturday, and Sunday as well. And we'll be back on Monday with a recap of the weekend games and a look ahead to what should be a fantastic second week in our beloved sport. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as always, peace out.